Good morning. Good to see you guys. It's always a fun day when you get to share the stage with a baptism tank. So looking forward to uh, what we've got going on here in a little while. Hey, if you're new to Frontline, let me just say my name is Sean, and I do get to serve as one of the pastors here, and that's a joy for me. And uh, what we get to do today is we're going to continue this series that we've been in where we're just looking at the advent of Jesus. So we're taking four weeks, and we're just looking at the advent, which means coming, And what we're doing is we're celebrating the first coming of Jesus. That's what everybody's doing right now. We're celebrating the first coming of Jesus while we wait with longing expectation for the second coming of Jesus. And in the middle of that, what we're doing is we're inviting Jesus into the longings of all of our hearts (laughs) and all the longings that I feel in my soul and you feel in your soul. So I do want to say, if you're here and you're not a Christian, um, but you feel your longing today, you're in a good place. And we're happy that you're here. So uh, let, me, let me pray for us, and then we're going to jump into Luke chapter 1. So God, we thank you that you do meet us in our longings. And uh, God, as we look at a passage today that maybe feels a little bit like a flyover, that maybe we're not so familiar with uh, on Christmas cards, we ask that today, God, you would really g- give us a new song in our heart as we look at this passage, this song of Mary's. We ask that you would really do something not just... Uh, in a way that we look at a historical story, but we ask that you would really stir us and you would, uh, you would lead us to worship today in the way that you've led Mary, your servant, so long ago to worship you. And uh, we just ask that as we open your word, you'd help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, I, I just want to say, uh, while you're turning to Luke chapter one, it's so interesting to me the way that, that this season of Advent, the season of Christmas, is shaped by music. Isn't it shaped by music? Uh, And I know a lot of things in our culture are shaped by music, but this season uh, in particular is just so shaped by singing and by songs. Uh, Think about this. It's not Christmas time yet until a very specific thing happens, (laughs) right? We know that it's Christmas time when a very unique, a, a distinct thing happens, and that thing is we're allowed to listen to Christmas music, right? We're allowed to sing, and, uh, and it's crazy to me, and, and I wonder if this is something that's going to continue for much longer, honestly. Um, but if you look at our culture's songs, you look at the songs that our culture is singing, and for 11 months of the year, they're singing all about, the, the, it's this posturing of how strong we are and how independent we are and how much we really don't need other people unless it's a, unless it's a love song. And then it's all about how I can be the one that can fulfill all of your deepest longings or you can be the one that can meet all the needs of my heart. And then sometime around December 1st, everything kind of switches, right? And, uh, and everything in our culture, all of, the, all of the speakers in our retail stores and all of our radio stations and uh, even some of those same recording artists that were singing about their own human strength, they're now heralding the great mystery of the Christian faith. Has anyone else noticed this and just thought, this is weird. These are the words that they're singing. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. <laughs> let earth receive her king. And let every heart prepare him room and let heaven and nature sing. They're singing those songs. Um, they're singing the song that we sang just a little while ago. Oh, holy night. The stars are brightly shining It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. And then they sing, Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. It's striking to me how shaped by 
music this season really is. What a gift, music. And, uh, and like we can be honest, uh, to be sure, there are some really bad Christmas songs. Like we just know that. Um, at some point, somebody thought that what we really needed was a Christmas song that's mostly about a hippopotamus. I don't, I don't get that. I cannot explain that. Um, somebody thought that what the world really needed was a Christmas song that was performed by Alvin and the Chipmunks. I cannot explain to you how that ever happened. We have songs about Lords of Leaping and Ladies Dancing, and we have a song that's a hypothetical situation where someone said, let's give this little kid a drum set to take to the baby Jesus' birth so he can play music for a newborn infant. Um, so it's gone off the rails, for sure. Like, it's, it's, there's some weird stuff. And what I want to say is before any of the good and before any of the bad, um, there was the very first Christmas song, and that's what we get to look at today, the very first time that any worship or Christmas singing was ever stirred in a human being, and it's in Luke chapter 1. And so if you're there, I'm going to read this, and whatever you think is the best Christmas carol or the best Christmas hymn, let me just point out to you today that the one that we're about to read was written by God the Holy Spirit um, through the mother of Jesus. <laughs> so, I mean, top that, jingle bells. You're just not going to be able to compete. Read this with me, Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. You remember we found out last week that Elizabeth was also with child. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what God was, what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Here comes the song. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who, has, he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to his offspring forever. This is the word of the Lord. Wow, thank you. So what we're looking at today is historically called the Magnificat of Mary. Anybody heard that? I know this is kind of like a lesser known text, but it's really been sweet for my heart this week because it's not one that I, I find myself regularly in. And so what we're remembering is, hey, you remember Mary? She's, she's kind of contemplative. Um, it says before the birth of Jesus, and we see after the birth of Jesus, there's moments where she just stops and she just ponders in her heart what God is doing. 
And we don't always know what those ponderings are. We don't always know what those thoughts are. But today, what we get to see is everything that's happening inside of her heart. When she looks at who God is, and she, she, she's stirred to this song of worship. And so, as we look at this song, there's really just three things that I cannot get away from as we read this. And the first thing that I want you to see if you're taking notes, this is a song that is about who God really is. It really is. Um, written by God the Holy Spirit, um, Mary writes this down, and this actually feels a lot more like maybe a psalm that we would see in the Old Testament. Um, there's not many times in the New Testament where someone just bursts out in song. This is a way that a lot of times David and the psalmist would write, and they would say, this is who God is. This is what he's done, and what we see in this text today is that Mary gets a glimpse of what, what God is doing and who he is, and she just breaks out in song. And, uh, and man, I just think that's really beautiful. Part of this song is, uh, is completely shocking. And part of it is not. Uh, the first part of it uh, is Mary, and she's just writing about the strength of God, right? She says he's strong, and he's mighty, and he's wise. And here's what we should remember. Like, any, any king or any uh, emperor that was written about in, in this time period um, in, in Roman or Greek culture would have talked about a king in the same way would have said he's really strong, he's really mighty, he's really wise. What is really shocking and what is really unique is what does Mary say that this God does with all of his strength? She says he actually exalts those that are low. She, she, look at verse 48. He's looked on the humble estate of his servant. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, the rich he is sent away empty. This is, this is the part that she wants us to see that we cannot miss or we will miss Christmas. Every other demonstration of earthly power from, from another king or another emperor from that time, any poetry that would have been written, what it would have said is, he has exalted the strong and he has called them to be a part of his army. He has called them to be a part of his kingdom. And, uh, and anybody that's weak, he's done away with them, and he's pulled in the strong so that he can have a stronger kingdom and a stronger army. That's what would have been said, but not so. In this text, Mary says, that's not the kind of God that I'm serving. Um, she says, the ones that are low in the presence of God, they actually get raised up. And those that think they're really proud, they're the ones that get lowered. And so what we're seeing is from the very first moments, you guys, Jesus Christ, inside of Mary, the womb of Mary, starts to put on human flesh, and his heart is starting to beat as a, as a baby inside of his mother, and from those first few moments that he takes on flesh, or his heart starts to beat, we start to see an upside-down kingdom of grace get proclaimed and demonstrated. It's beautiful. And then these beautiful words, and this would have caused every person from Jewish um, background or Hebrew descent. This would have caused their jaws to drop and their eyes to get really, really wide. This is what she says in verse 54. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. What she's saying right here to any Hebrew person would have been really shocking. In fact, it was so shocking that years later, it's actually going to be the kind of language that gets Jesus killed. And, uh, and so she speaks up, and what she's saying is, I'm looking back at my people's history. I can see what God is doing here. 
Um, this is way bigger than just me and my community and, and, and me and my family. She's looking back and she realizes in a moment, Mary realizes, she is being invited into the mission of God to keep his promises to her and to her people for all time. She, she looks back and she feels the brokenness. I mean, she's a peasant and she lives in Nazareth and, and, and all the work and all the toil and, and all the situation that's going on around her, she feels the brokenness of the curse in the garden, doesn't she? She turns around, she feels that. And then she remembers, she, she, calls, uh, she calls by name Abraham. She remembers there's a moment when God looks at the toil of man, he looks at the, at the, the hardship that sin has caused by coming into the world. He looks at Abraham and he says, come outside. Come outside out of your tent and I want you to look up. He looks up and he sees the stars. You remember what God says? He goes, through your body, the whole world is going to be blessed and your descendants are going to outnumber all the stars that you can see. Mary's remembering this. She remembers, she remembers Moses. She remembers there, there's a time that the people of God actually get taken into captivity, into Egypt, and there's a deliverer that God raises up and he is able to rescue and deliver his people. And God says, that's not the deliverer. There's a greater one coming. And he's not gonna just deliver his people out of Egypt. He's gonna deliver his people from sin and from death. And he starts to raise up kings. Like all the people start to clamor for kings and they're like, we want what you're talking about. We want the rescue, God. We're tired of feeling this inside of us. We want a king to rule over us. That's what they say. And, uh, and there's some, really, some things really get off the rails and, 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 and God finally gives them a king named David, Right? And it says that he's a man after God's own heart and he's gonna lead uh, Jerusalem into a place of peace. And he does a lot of that. And, uh, and what we see is that David is not the perfect king. Um, he actually screws up royally. He messes up really bad and he, there's sin in this guy. And uh, we get to the prophets. All the prophets are writing about this rescue that is going to come. And we see Isaiah, he goes, there is a king. He is coming, but he's not that kind of king. <laughs> he's not the kind of king that you um, have expected. He's actually going to be born of a virgin. And, uh, and it says that he's, th there's not, he's not going to carry any beauty or majesty that will attract us to him. He's going to be rejected, and he's going to be despised, and the prophets are writing about this king that's coming to set these people free, and then nothing. Right? It goes 400 years. It's completely silent there. The prophets stop talking. There's no move of God. There's, there's no way that they're hearing from God the Holy Spirit. It just gets silent. And what Mary is realizing in this moment is this is the first time God is speaking. 2,000 years ago, God showed up to Abraham to give him this good news, and right now, I'm, I'm understanding that it's actually being fulfilled in my body. It catches up to her. It explodes in her heart that this is actually God making good on his promise to rescue and redeem humanity. Think about this. Right in that moment, we see the strength and the faithfulness of God. Think about this. In one embrace, Mary and Elizabeth, you have a virgin showing the strength of God that she could actually conceive of a child, a virgin. The strength of God is shown off. The other side of the embrace we see a barren woman who could never conceive. And we see the faithfulness of God shows up. And all of the longing, all of the promises that God had given 
through all of those Old Testament saints and through those prophets, finally we see there is a final prophet inside of the body of Elizabeth, John the Baptist. You remember his job? To proclaim a kingdom is coming. And here we have um, in a virgin and in a barren woman, the kingdom of God is getting proclaimed between this, this, these two pregnant peasant ladies right there. This is a moment that the kingdom of God shows up, is seen, and is felt. This is a song that shows us what God is like. And I just, I really, I, I want to say this. Um, when we see what God is like, we have to remember today, we have to let it sink into our hearts today. This is not just good news for Mary. I mean, it would have been really great news for Mary. But it's not just good news for Mary. Is there anybody in this place today that would say, yeah, I just feel unworthy. I just, I just feel undone by my own sin. Um, if I'm honest, I just feel like there's no way that God's gonna come through in the situation that I'm in. There's just no way. But this is what Mary says. Look at verse 49 again. She says, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. That's obvious. Verse 50 and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. That's you and that's me and that's really good news. And if you don't believe it coming from Mary, look at the words of Jesus. You can write this down, look at it later maybe. Uh, I think they've got it on the screen. Luke 11, Jesus is teaching and he's teaching about the kingdom coming and somebody is just overwhelmed. This lady just gets overwhelmed and she cries out. Verse 27, she says, it, it says, as he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, you remember this? Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. But the words of Jesus, he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Man, Jesus says there's no greater blessing than, than um, for those to hear the word of God and keep it. That's you and that's me. If you're in Jesus today, I need you to hear, Christmas is really good news for you because you have every single thing that God came to tell Mary he was giving to her. It's really, really, really good news. So this is a Christmas song that we're invited to sing. It's first a song about who God really is. Second thing I want us to see, this is a song of faith and courage. Wow. What God does in Mary is, is, is a song that births in her faith to sing and courage to sing. Martin Luther, he said that there were three miracles in the birth of Jesus. He said first that, that the first miracle was that God became a man. That's a miracle. The second miracle is that there was a virgin that gave birth. That's a miracle. The third miracle that Luther points to is that Mary believed and obeyed. That's a really big deal. That Mary actually heard from God and believed him and obeyed him. Why would we say that's a miracle? Well, I think you and I were used to reading Mary's name in kind of the, the family tree, the genealogy of Jesus. And we see Mary, she's right along names like Judah. And, and, and names like Abraham and, and names like David, but she was a peasant girl who lived in a backwoods town and she's being told that the king that's gonna rescue the whole world is now living inside of her body and she's a virgin. <laughs> that's a miracle that she would even start to believe that because if she chooses to believe this, what she's choosing to believe is that for no doing of her own, because of nothing that she's asked for, everything in her life is about to get really, really hard. Mary is going before us, and by her even being able to sing this song, she's saying, guys, we can trust God when, when things feel really crazy in our lives. Um, just, just think through this. Ever since Gabriel showed up, 
showed up in the text we read last week, and he explains everything that's going to happen, what would have been going through her mind? Think about these things. She was betrothed. She was engaged to be married. There was no way that was going to happen. That, that surely was off. She's fully aware that Joseph had every right at this point to have her killed for her unfaithfulness. If, if Joseph chose not to have her killed, then she would have been a single mom for the rest of her life. So she had that to look forward to that was, that was coming for her. She's already a peasant teenager, so she's poor, and now she's got to figure out how to provide for her and also for this baby that she's going to have. Um, and, and she's resigning herself. Instead of this life where she's got a provider, she's married to this man who's honorable, and she's, she's, got, a, she's got a situation where he's going to provide for her, and he's going to protect her, and they're going to be a family together. Instead of any of that happening, she's resigning herself to a life of poverty, and none of this even takes into account what are her parents going to say? What is her family going to say? What is the community going to say? How are they going to push her out? How is she going to be labeled as an outcast for the rest of her life? And in the middle of all of those realities, her heart is overcome with gratitude to God, and she sings. She sings. And the reason that she sings is because she's locked in on the faithfulness of God in the midst of her circumstances. Mary really believed that if God is doing this, if this is his design, if this is his idea, if this is his plan, some way or another, he's got some way of working this thing out. This is not what I planned. But I know that it's better for me to, to, to go the way that God has planned for me than to try to plan my own life out. And she starts to believe, if everything's gonna get really hard for me, you know what would be better is to have Emmanuel, God with me, rather than for me to go do my own thing and God not to be with you. This is good news. She looks up and she sees the situation that all of her people have been in for, for 2,000 years, and she goes, this is actually really, really good news. He really is gonna be Emmanuel. He really is gonna be God with us, and if that's true, then I can go through whatever it is that I'm about to walk through. This is a real person. She really had these emotions. And I just wanna say, there are people that are in our church right now and they're sick. And I just don't have any idea what 2018 is gonna bring for them. There's people that are in our church right now and um, their marriages feel like they're really broken. And they feel like there's just maybe there's no way that this is gonna work out. We don't know what the next year is gonna bring. There's people in our church who have kids that are addicted and they're doing everything they can to try to get them on their feet. They're brokenhearted because relationships are broken. And everything around them feels like it's falling apart. You got people like that. You got people sitting around you right now that feel some of that. And the best news that I have to give and the best news that any of us have to carry around with us is that in the middle of those things, Emmanuel, God really is with us. This is the good news of Christmas. And I just want to say, if you're a Christian in this room today, I'm speaking to myself and I'm speaking to you, we have to see the world through two realities. The first reality is there is no getting around Genesis chapter three. The world really is broken. It really is super messed up. Like we really are wading through some difficult things from now until the time that we see Jesus face to face. Things are busted and you're part of it and I'm part of it. But the second reality is in the middle of that brokenness, God really is working. He really is working. He really does have a plan. He really is sovereign. He really is doing things that we cannot see even if it's not in the time frame that we expected. 
the reason that Mary sings um, in this passage, the reason she sings, it's not because she was, she was feeling the restlessness of her soul die down. It's not what, that's not what she's doing here. That's not what she feels. Mary doesn't sing because she's comfortable with the direction that her life is now going. Mary sings because Emmanuel has come for us. In the chaos of our lives, Jesus is present and he's actually helping us to sing when things feel really freaky. And I just cannot, I just cannot even think about this without just thinking back in my own life. Um, thinking back to the night of May 20th, 2013, and, and I know a lot of us in this room were affected by, by that storm and by that day, and I just, I cannot think about this without remembering the night I, I slept, I stayed the night, I didn't really sleep, I stayed the night at uh, the city hall in Moore, and I was with my buddy Jamie, who, who, uh, who was working in a public information office, and, um, and I'm just there, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to give prayer support and be, and be there for him and be there for some of the other folks that were working. And uh, man, in the middle of all that, like we're just, re- everyone feels that our community has been turned upside down. There are people in our church that do not have a home anymore. There are people in our city that do not have a home anymore. There are kids that we don't even know where they are. We're looking for people. We can't even find them. And man, in the middle of all that, the greatest comfort that I had to give to myself and the greatest comfort that I had to give to anybody around me is it's really good news that Jesus did not stay in the comforts of heaven and let us deal with all this junk that's going on down here. It's really good news for me that Jesus knew there were gonna be moments that we had our city turned upside down, that marriages were wrecked and turned upside down, that people walked into doctor's offices and got news that they did not wanna get It's really good news for me that Jesus did not stay in the comfort at the right hand of God the Father, but he actually came and he got in the middle of the mess with us. It's okay to agree that that's good news. So we see this song. It's this song about the unique character of God. It's a song about faith and courage. And I just know, man, (laughs) like I could see on your faces. Some of you guys are like, I get that God gives us a demonstration of his strength and sometimes that means reaching down for the lowly and I get that God helps us to sing songs of faith and courage but I just gotta be honest with you, it's still really hard to sing. It's really hard to sing sometimes. Sometimes I walk through stuff in life, I'm going through things with my family or or my friends or my job and things feel really hard, it feels really hard to sing. Is there anybody that would be honest and say, yeah man, it's hard sometimes. Well, if, if, if it's hard for you to sing, I just want to say that you're not alone, and that's why the third thing that I want us to see is this is a song that we were meant to sing together. <laughs> this is the part of the story, man, that just really grabbed me and, uh, and really did some heart work in me uh, over this last week. Look at the first part of the story, going back to verse 39. If you remember from last week, right, Gabriel shows up and he says to Mary, hey, this is what's about to happen. And Mary's like, uh, how is that even possible? You know, she's like, she's got questions, and, and Gabriel's like, well, the Spirit of God is going to come upon you, the Holy Spirit, and she's like, okay, uh, like, all right, I'll go with it. Like, she, she says these words, whatever God wants to do, so let it be to me as you have said. It's kind of a so be it response, right? 
And I think if we read between the lines in that, in that text from last week, what we see is that Gabriel, she's, he really senses how freaked out she is. We see the kindness of God through Gabriel comforting Mary. She, he sees how freaked out she is, and he says these words, hey, um, something also pretty big has happened in Elizabeth. <laughs> she's got a similar thing going on, and it's like he's saying, hey, if this feels scary, there's somebody that you might want to go talk to. I think she can probably identify with what's going on in your life. And then it says, she runs to Elizabeth. This is amazing to me. The comfort that God gives to her in her anxiety is in another person. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? She goes to her cousin. She goes to her friend. And and it's like, man, it's like, you, you see, she shows up. I don't even know what to say. She doesn't say a word. She just walks in and, uh, and it's like she's waiting for Elizabeth to maybe put together some of the puzzle pieces that just do not make sense in her life. But did you see how everything about, demeanors, uh, about Mary's demeanor and her tone changes once Elizabeth speaks to her? Did you notice this? Elizabeth's gospel affirmation in Mary's life is absolutely huge. As soon as Elizabeth speaks the truth about what God is doing, she, she, she comes in and she goes, blessed is God that I would even get to see the mother of my Savior today. This is crazy. And, uh, and, and she confirms everything that Gabriel said. The, the child that is gonna rescue the whole world is actually inside your little body, Mary. And this does a couple of things. It really ruins the song, Mary, Did You Know? For all of us, she really did know. She did. But it gives Mary this incredible confidence this is nuts to me. An angel of God shows up to Mary <laughs> and says, you're gonna have this virgin birth. And she's like, okay. Another person that God has put into her life, a sister, a cousin, someone that she loves and trusts that God put in her life to encourage her, says the same thing and her soul magnifies God. Man, what a beautiful picture of the way that we need one another. And, and please don't miss this. Did you, did you catch this in the story? Elizabeth doesn't make it about herself. She doesn't hear Mary's story and start to go into her own thing. She doesn't try to one-up Mary. She doesn't start to go down the road of like, oh girl, you're in the first trimester. Let me just tell you, your feet are gonna start getting swollen up. You, you don't even know what's about to come next. <laughs> she doesn't start doing this deal where she's like, I'm pregnant too. She doesn't say, oh really, you saw Gabriel? Wow, happy for you. I don't know if you know this, but my husband and I actually go back about six months with Gabriel. Really cool guy. Um, she, she doesn't do that. She doesn't do the thing where she's like, hey, the baby that's inside of you seems important, happy for you. I'm gonna let you finish. But let me just say, <laughs> let me just say, the child inside of me, his name is John the Baptist. Have you heard of him? He's kind of a big deal. She doesn't go down any of that stuff, man. She, she just says, wow. God has really blessed you, Mary. He really is faithful to keep his promises. He really is showing up in your life. And I just love that the way that she affirms Mary's blessing gives glory to God. And I, and I just, man, I just gotta say to us as a community in this room, we gotta let this teach us how to celebrate with one another. We gotta do it. We cannot do this thing where we think it's a zero-sum game. If I celebrate what God is doing in your life, then somehow it's lessening what's actually happening in my own life. Don't we do that? And, uh, and man, I, I just want to say, like, the, the thing that compels me <laughs> in this story are these words where it says, she was f- 
filled with the Holy Spirit. Think about this. Mary turns up, and the baby inside of Elizabeth cries out from inside of her, this is God. <laughs> and, and Elizabeth is overwhelmed and overcome with the Holy Spirit, and what comes out of her is this celebration and truth that's marked by the humility of God the Holy Spirit. That's really, really beautiful. And the, the encouragement that I take from reading this and thinking about how on earth are we gonna be able to live with one another in this way is the reality that the Son of God had come to reside inside of Mary is the hope that he can actually come and live inside of you and me. That's really, really, really good news. And, uh, and I just think it's good for us to admit, man, we're really bad at this sometimes. We're really bad about celebrating with one another. Maybe you don't feel like there's enough to celebrate in your life, and so when sh- someone shows up and they say, I really think God is moving here, it's hard to celebrate. I just want to say that's so messed up. <laughs> and, and I really think that sometimes what God is doing when you don't have, um, a, a, if you don't feel like there's tons in your life to celebrate, what a kindness, what a gift that God would give you, brothers and sisters around you, that you could celebrate what he's doing in them. I think it's a way that he reminds us that we actually need one another. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he said this amazing little thing in his book, Life Together. He said, God has willed that we should seek and find his living word in the witness of a brother in the mouth of a man. Therefore, the Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged. For by himself, he cannot help himself without contradicting the truth. He needs his brother man as a bearer and proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. He needs his brother solely because of Jesus Christ. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain and his brother's is sure. Man, I feel that. I feel that. There's times in my life where I'm just like, I don't know what God's doing. <laughs> and I need my brothers, I need my sisters to come ar- alongside me and say, we see what he's doing. And, uh, and I, I just want to say, I think that's good for, for all of us to recognize this is an invitation. It's amazing to me that in the middle of the story of God sharing how he's going to rescue the entire world, there's a little piece of his heart for the way that we actually need one another, for the way that we relate to one another, for the way that we're invited to sing the song of salvation together. So Mary, she hears this from Elizabeth. She believes God. She moves forward in faith. And I just think it's incredible that the mightiest way that God accomplished that was in, uh, the mightiest way that God could accomplish that in her was not through an angel dressed in light, but through another person dressed just in the same peasant clothes that she was dressed in. And so, in closing, I just want to say, Mary, Mary man, the, this song, she starts out so unsure of what God is doing, and in a period of just a few hours or a few days, she's brought to this place of genuine worship of the Father for keeping his promises. So here's what's true for Mary. Here's what's true in my life. Here's what's true in your life. God is not to be worshiped because we get to see the whole picture and uh, somehow we can chart out which way we're gonna be able to go and everything's gonna be all right. That's not what Mary's worshiping here. Um, God is not to be worshiped because we're really all confident that he's never, ever, ever gonna bring us through anything that feels scary. 
That's not what Mary says to us. God is to be worshiped because he keeps his promises. And here's the good news that, uh, that, that 2 Corinthians would give us. Every single promise that God ever made to you and I finds its yes in Jesus Christ. And he's ours today to behold. He's our king that we get to sing for. And he's our king that we get to sing to. Um, Mary, because of this story, she's regarded by a lot of people um, as the very first Christian ever. She's not the first one to ever experience the salvation of God, but she's the very first person to look on the salvation of God through Jesus and worship. <laughs> and that makes her the first Christian. And we just see that what, what God is stirring in her, um, the only way that she can even exclaim, the only way that she can even communicate is through singing. And, uh, and it just makes me remember, like, it, it, it's convicting to me because I'm thinking, man, God, do I sing loud like Mary sings? I, 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 think, about, I think back to when I was a kid, and if I'm honest, I just didn't think singing was that cool. Like, I just didn't, I didn't think it would be cool for me to sing loud in church. <laughs> um, and so I would kind of just hum along or maybe move my lips a little bit. And, uh, and uh, I'll tell you what, though. When we got to the Christmas Eve service, <laughs> I was belting it out, man. I was belting it out. I was excited. And, uh, and if I'm honest, I wasn't belting it out so much because uh, the reality of Christmas had caught up to my heart. I was thinking about everything that was about to go down over the next 24 hours, I, I was realizing, man, I'm about to take a deep dive into a swimming pool of presents like Scrooge McDuck. I, I, I'm about to go see all of my uh, grandparents and all my cousins. Uh, I'm about to have some of that really good food that my grandma makes. But mostly, I was really excited about the presents. <laughs> and uh, and, I, and I, I just realized, like, the closer I get to the second advent of Jesus, the closer I get to the second time that he comes back for me, <laughs> the closer I get to seeing him face to face, the more that I can't not be in these services with you guys with my hands raised going, he really does feed the hungry. He really does give those that are empty. He fills them up with good things. He really does reach down for the lowly. Like that's the thing that I want to fill my heart up. And it's the difference, I believe, between singing with your voice and singing with your soul. <laughs> And that's what Mary does in this story. Man, she, her soul magnifies God. And my prayer, my hope for us as a church over the next two, three weeks and beyond that is that we would be a people that sing and magnify God with our souls.